Welcome to Parent-Teacher Night. Oh, yes, Miss Garner. If you have one of those airline credit cards, you're probably not earning double miles on every purchase. You're right. My card only gets extra miles on some types of purchases. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles everywhere. Wait, but where can we use them? You can use Capital One Venture Miles on any travel purchase. Venture gets an A+. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. All right, all right, all right. Let the Rock ask you. You want to hear a little gossip? The Rock's got some gossip. It's a true story about Cena and Eve. This is true. This, this is what happened. This is what you didn't see on Raw. But The Rock saw it. Rock saw Cena making out with Eve, grabbing on her thigh, tugging on her weave. Cena was having the time of his life. I guess he didn't tell her that he's got a wife. Let's rock. Everybody, let's rock. Divorce lawyers right up the block. But we're dancing cause Cleveland rocks. Yeah. I guess it slipped his mind while he was slipping into the tongue. I got a little ditty about the day John Cena was born. True story. These were all true stories. April 23rd, 1977, the doctor shouted, send that baby back to heaven. Sorry, Mama Cena, but check these charts. Little baby Johnny's got lady parts. Let's rock. Everybody, let's rock. Little Johnny's got them lady parts. But we're dancing cause Cleveland Ross. You know, outside of Chris Jericho's WWE debut on Monday Night Raw, that rock concert that he did in 2012, easily for me, top five most entertaining non-wrestling moments ever on Monday Night Raw. And you know what is so sad about that rock concert? I kid you not, everyone. When I talk about things on this show, I do extensive research. I don't say it to brag, but I say it to assure you. I do my homework before I mention things. But if you go to the WWE Network right now, go to the archive for Monday Night Raw, click on the March 12, 2012 episode of Raw, This was the Raw shortly before WrestleMania. The Rock and John Cena trading barbs, uh, hyping up their match at WrestleMania. Go to the very end of Monday Night Raw. The Rock is going to present us the Rock concert. Remember Cleveland Rocks, that whole thing? If you watch it on the WWE Network, I kid you not, The Rock picks up the guitar, pans the crowd, and then The Rock puts down the guitar. That's what you see. I kid you not, within 15 he picks up the guitar, and then he puts the guitar down. They edited out the entire rock concert. And I could see 
if they edited out the end because they he along with the crowd was doing a rendition of Queen's We Will Rock You. Maybe they didn't want to pay royalties on that. Fine. But the entire Cleveland Rocks concert is edited off of the WWE Network. But it's not edited here. I will play the rock concert pretty much in its entirety later on when we get to that year. But first, the incidentals. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 10 of This Week in Wrestling History. I am Don Tony, as always. And today, we will cover the period of March 6th through March 12th. I'm going to be totally honest with everyone. I know I've said many times, even before we started to make official episodes of what we do here, this by far will be the best, most entertaining episode that I have compiled so far as far as these wrestling history uh, little podcasts, whatever you want to call them. I mean, there's over a dozen audio clips this week, and it really just goes over the entire gamut of pro wrestling. We got old school from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, ECW, WCW, TNA, WWE. There's so many sound clips this week, and I could have gone up to at least 20 to 25 clips. This particular week in wrestling history was so fun to work on. And I really hope you enjoy it. And like I said, we have a lot of audio clips to get into. And, you know, in this day and age, with the luxury of listening to this through your iPhone, through your computer, through wherever, it's not like back in the day with cassette tapes that you were forced to fast forward and you have to wait and then you fast forward too much and then you got to rewind and then you got to wait like 60 seconds for it. No, you just use your mouse and you could fast forward whatever clips you want. And soon I'm going to make little chapters on the shows. So basically what will happen is you'll hit that, not the fast forward button, but I guess what's that other one, like the advanced chapter button or whatever. And it'll go over the entire audio segment that you're listening to. So little things that I'm working on behind the scenes. And, and I'm not going to lie. That was actually the idea of a few people listening. I always welcome feedback good, bad, what you like, what you dislike, what you want added to the show, always send your feedback to me. It is absolutely appreciated. So first, let's start off. 1972, New Japan Pro Wrestling runs its first ever show. Took place at the Ota Ward Gymnasium in Tokyo, Japan. They drew about 5,000, and the main event had Carl Gotch defeating Antonio Inoki. For all you fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it was this week in 72 they had the first ever show. We fast forward to 1980, and there was a feud going on at that time. It was huge. It was huge. Larry Zbysko versus Bruno San Martino. This feud was so important in the early career of Larry Zbysko. When he turned heel and turned on his teacher, the heat that Larry Zbysko used to get from the fans at that time was massive. And it was around this time in 1980 that they started to set up their series of matches that would take place in the Northeast. And they were airing promos of each other, trash-talking um, one another on television. And look, Bruno is one of the greatest of all time. I mean, if he's not the Babe Ruth of wrestling, you know, he's pretty damn close to it. Bruno on the microphone sometimes didn't talk the greatest. I mean, it's, everyone has said that. But... I watched this promo again, and it took place this week in 1980. And it was just something about Bruno's promo, the realism to it. 
it really, really sold this storyline so damn well. I mean, Zabisco's response to the promo was entertaining as well, but I just thought Bruno's promo was so on point. And as a little kid watching these promos on television, I'm sure young wrestling fans at that time, just like me, thought about it. And I'm sure a lot of you have said it over the years. You know, you would see Bruno come out or any wrestler come out and cut a promo. And then they would walk away. And then Vince McMahon would then bring in another person to cut a promo. And you would see, like, someone cut a promo and they would walk away and Vince would bring in their opponent that they're having this hated feud with. And we used to always say, wait a minute, Bruno just walked off the stage, walked off the, walked out of the arena, just walked back in and clocked the motherfucker. So that was one thing as a little kid. I was like, come on, you know, Bruno just left the, the ringside area. Larry's there on the mic. Go out there, beat him up. You hate him. You can't wait to get your hands on him there. You're in the same building. So anyway, this week, 1980, Bruno and Larry Zabisco hype up their match at Madison Square Garden. I love this fucking promo. Larry Zabisco right now from listening to these um, interviews as I watch in a monitor in my dressing room. You know, to, to listen to him, he looks back in the early days of our working out, and you see, and he honestly believes that that was the whole thing that I was putting out everything in there that I was putting all my strength that I was applying full force and all the and uh, all the holes and so forth and with that in mind he really believes that it's gonna be a sense he's just gonna go in that ring and he's just gonna beat me because he can outmaneuver me as he as he chooses to believe he's going to outmaneuver me he's going to uh, show more holes than than I have anymore and as he put it he's younger than I am in the years there's no question about that but you know Sometimes when you go into that ring and you meet someone, it's not always how much you even know. It's how much you have in your heart and what do you feel. And what I felt, you know, I've gone through an awful lot of pain with this experience with Larry Zabuska, an awful lot of pain. More pain probably than anything. And I've had tremendous pains going back in my childhood in Europe with the war and everything else. I've known an awful lot of pain, and this certainly matches almost any pain that I've ever known. But that pain, Larry, has turned into bitterness, and I think I have just cause. Just cause. You have given me that just cause to be so bitter. And I am so bitter, Larry. I cannot tell you. You will never understand even what you've done to me. Because you have turned me into such a bitter man, and that bitterness has got to come out. And it's going to come out only when I meet you in the ring. But Larry, it's going to come out, and I think your mind is going to, you're going to blow your mind because you're not going to believe that this is the same guy that you used to work out with in a mat. You're going to wonder to yourself, my God, where did he get this power? Where did he get this, this force? Where did he get this strength and this stamina? Because Larry, you're going to see your teacher. You're going to see exactly how much he held back. You're going to see just how much he has in, in that heart and in that body. You're going to feel it all because you're going to feel it in that ring. And Larry, you're going to say to yourself, my God, what did I do? I grabbed the tiger bite's tail and I, what do you do with it now? Because Larry, when I get through with you in Madison Square Garden, I said before I created a Frankenstein and I'm going to destroy that Frankenstein that I created. But more than that, Larry Zabisco, you think that you climbed that mountain by using me, the guy who poured his heart out to you. Well, Larry, as I said before, you're going to make the biggest splash when you fly off that mountain and onto that bottom. You're going to make such a splash, there won't even be a spot left of you. There won't even be a remembrance that even such an idiot as Larry Zabisco even ever existed. Bruno San Martino. And unquestionably, the bitterness will come out, ladies and gentlemen, in Madison Square Garden. It'll all come out in the squared circle. But not only Bruno San Martino's bitterness.
Surely the bitterness and some of it perhaps justified as it relates to Larry Zabisco. With that in mind, let's bring on Larry Zabisco to have his views, if we may, on the match in Madison Square Garden. Well, I tell you, Vince, I'm not very bitter, but I don't know if I can go through another three minutes of Bruno crying to all his fans again about how bitter he is. What does he have to be bitter about? He came on TV, tried to embarrass me, and it didn't work. Well, I want to confess to everybody. I have never felt more happy and more free in my entire life. I took myself by myself out of that ridiculous little box of a shadow that Bruno put me in for the last eight years, and I broke it myself, and I raised myself above everybody, and now Larry Zabisco is a front-page name everywhere. And the only thing I lost was the support of Bruno San Martino and you fans, and maybe you, and maybe some of the wrestlers. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Don't miss it in Madison Square Garden. Got another audio clip for you. This is 1981, another legendary feud. Without a doubt, one of the biggest matches to ever take place in Madison Square Garden took place in 81. Not this week, but it all started this week. Pat Patterson versus Sergeant Slaughter. If you've never seen the street fight that took place in 1981 in Madison Square Garden, go on YouTube and watch it there. The brawl was so entertaining. The amount of blood that Sergeant Slaughter spilled that night was tremendous. You you have to see it in good video quality. It's amazing how much that Slaughter bled that night. One thing I always remember from that night as well is Pat Patterson wearing the overly tight white I Love New York shirt. Because, look, the match was in in the garden. You wear an I Love New York shirt. Obviously, the fans are going to get behind you a little bit more. But the feud really caught fire this week in 1981. Now, this is how it went down. Newer wrestling fans will know the Master Lock Challenge. Chris Masters. You know, he had the challenge for a while. It was Lashley that broke out of it. In fact, I think it's almost this week in history that Lashley broke out of the Master Lock Challenge. First one to do it. But... Sergeant Slaughter, when he came into the WWF around 81, he was doing the Cobra Clutch Challenge. And him and the Grand Wizard would offer $5,000 to anyone who could break the Cobra Clutch. No one was successful. And Pat Patterson at that time was a part-time wrestler. He did commentary with Vince McMahon. And many times after an unsuccessful Cobra Clutch Challenge on behalf of someone, uh, Patterson would interview Slaughter. And Slaughter was always cocky, bragging that nobody could break out of it. And he would sort of tease Pat Patterson as well. So it was this week in 1981 that the Demon was going to take the Cobra Clutch Challenge, but he wimps out at the last minute. So Pat Patterson goes to ringside. He goes to interview Sergeant Slaughter once again. You know, that somebody else chickened out, blah, 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 blah. And this led to an incident where Sergeant Slaughter and Pat Patterson actually went at it in the ring. Now, the reason why I'm playing this is because do a Google search if you think that I'm wrong on this. This moment that took place in 81, up until a couple of years ago, people were scammering trying to find this footage. Anybody who was a fan of old school wrestling at that time always wanted to see this footage from 81. You know, nobody really recorded it from VHS at the time. But a couple of years ago, somebody posted the footage of how it went on on television, and people wrote articles in newspapers about it. That's how big this was. So here you go, 1981, Pat Patterson, Sergeant Slaughter, Cobra Clutz Challenge, Championship Wrestling, as we saw it 
Here in New York, it was Channel 9. Enjoy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this next attraction is Sergeant Slaughter's $5,000 Cobra Clutch Challenge. And here introducing the challenger, weighing in at 225 pounds, the Black Demon. And here to defend his Cobra Clutch, here he is.
a week ago. And if anybody can do it, it's got to be Pat Patterson. Here we go. Thank <laughs> you. 
Connecticut. Unfortunate for Pat Patterson, what has happened? Boy, that's a nasty cut. We'll be back. We'll be back as we continue. The doctor will take a look at Patterson. We'll be back. What memories, man. That was so awesome. So we now fast forward all the way to 1993. And like I said at the beginning of this broadcast, I could have included another 10, 15 audio clips. But, you know, as years go by, we can always add more things to this. Basically giving you an overall synopsis of how everything went down this week in history. And this week was really a memorable one. So, again, we fast forward to 1993. Homicide makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestled here in Queens, New York as the Latin Terror for Doghouse Pro Wrestling. And I don't even need to bring up how important Doghouse Pro Wrestling was for a lot of guys that you see wrestling today, from low-key to homicide, low-life Louis. I mean, it's just amazing how many people came out of the Doghouse School. I used to go to the Doghouse way back in the day, and um, it was Lathan, the Tower of Torture. He was one of the instructors there. Homicide also taught a little bit as well. And it was a very, very important school here in New York. Legendary. And it was a real shame when it closed its doors. In fact, just a little tidbit for anybody that remembers the doghouse and remembers the, the school itself. A lot of people may not know this. And you can ask Homicide and Law of Lurie and people will tell you, I'm not making this up. You won't find this online. They were going to return and they were going to do a show in Ridgewood, Queens, I think on Myrtle Avenue or Fresh Pond Road. I can't remember exactly where it was supposed to take place. They were going to have a return, like a reunion show for Doghouse Pro Wrestling. And I don't remember who was the person behind it, but somebody was fucking with Bobby Lombardi, who was, you know, the owner of Doghouse Pro Wrestling, the LIWF. And pretty much at the last minute, they locked the doors on the building. Now, I don't know if it was actually the day of the event or this was maybe a couple of weeks before, but they were going to do this show in Queen in Queens, New York. It was right around Ridgewood, which is like borderline Queens, Brooklyn. And at the last minute, that show never took place. I, I remember somebody telling me, you know, on my hotline, somebody put a fucking padlock on, on the building. Like you can't even get inside the building and it never took place. Seriously, got a lot of stories from Doghouse Pro Wrestling, but it was this week in 93, Homicide made his wrestling debut. Also this week in 93, Jimmy Snooker defeats Glenn Osborne in a tournament final in Pennsylvania to become the ECW TV champion. The reason why this was so important was this was the first ever TV taping for Sports Channel Philadelphia. That was the time, the, the this channel in the time slot for ECW TV, ECW held its first ever TV taping this week in 1993. 1994, a terrible incident happened in Germany. It was this week in 94 that Mick Foley lost his ear while wrestling Vader in Dresden, Germany. I don't need to tell you the entire story behind it. You've heard about it. You've read about it. Mick Foley has written about it in his books. There's even some grainy footage floating around there. But, you know, Mick Foley used to do a spot where he would go through the ropes and his neck would get caught on the ropes as if he's strangling. And, you know, he you know got trapped uh, around the ropes and they pulled it free. And as they pulled the ropes free, he tore his ear off. 
And, you know, we talked about it recently with Vader having his eye popped out. You know, Mick Foley, tough as a son of a bitch, just like Vader and everyone else back in the day. I'm not saying the wrestlers today aren't tough. They are. But, you know, sucked it up and uh, continued the match. Somebody, I think, put the piece of the ear on ice and the cartilage was surgically inserted on the Foley's other ear so he could have reconstructive surgery and get it fixed. The Foley decided, nah, you know what? I'll leave it the way it is. He didn't have the surgery. He returned back to the ring. And, uh, you know, that's basically how it went down at that time. You know, he could have had surgery and repaired part of it, but chose uh, to leave it alone. So there you go. 1994 this week as well, USWA had their Memphis Memory Show at the Mid-South Coliseum. reason why I bring it up is because this was really the last large event that USWA would ever have in Memphis. They drew almost 8,500 people that night. A really, really cool Legends Night. There is a video online that you can actually buy for about six bucks. There's a couple of places that sell it. The only problem with it is that it only runs about 60 minutes. They don't air the entire card. I think they only show the 10-man elimination match uh, involving Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Valiant, Brian Christopher, Austin Idol, Terry Funk, Tommy Rich, Moondog Spot, Coco Beware, Eddie Gilbert, and Doug Gilbert. And they also have, you know, they introduce a lot of the legends. It's it's a nice video to have. But um, you could look online if you want to see the entire card results. And I think there is a video floating around of the entire card as well, but the commercial release was only an hour. This week in 1995, Rhino makes his pro wrestling debut. Now, there was a little bit of dispute on this. WWE talked about it this week on WWE.com. Rhino was quoted this week on video talking about how this week in 95 was his pro wrestling debut. Some people will insist that Rhino actually made his pro wrestling debut in December of 1994. But I actually did the research, and it appears Rhino is correct. And Rhino had preliminary matches as he was training going through school, you know, the wrestling school. But his official pro wrestling debut was this week in 1995. And for those that are curious, because it was really hard to find the details behind this, trust me, he wrestled that night as the Avenger. It was for a federation called Canadian Rocky Mountain Wrestling. And on that card, he teamed up with Steve Gillespie and lost to Black Bart and Steve Wilde. Other matches on that card that night, Katana over Chris Kramer, Rick Titan over Bad News Allen, and Jerry Morrow over Lance Storm. Well, actually, no, that was a double DQ. Yeah, that was a double disqualification. So uh, pretty, pretty cool moment, 1995 for uh, Rhino. A moment in 95 that I know a lot of people won't like, and I know you're hearing little beeps in the background. Truth is, I actually played hooky. I came home for lunch, and instead of eating lunch, I'm doing this week in wrestling history for everyone. So 1995, Brian Adams, who we knew as Crush, and he was in Chronic, and we know he was, uh, you know, Kona Crush and Demolition Crush. Well, this week in 95, he was jailbird. He was arrested on drugs and weapons charges after they found steroids, unregistered semi-automatic weapons, a stun gun, and pot. He stood in jail for five days, posted bail, WWF fired him. 
He would end up being charged with uh, 12 different counts. He pled no contest to 11 of the 12. He served jail time just for gun possession. And even with all that crazy shit, WWF brought him back in August of 1996. Amazing. Speaking of 1996, Saturday night, WCW taping in Georgia. Lex Luger defeated Johnny B. Bad to win the TV title. Reason why I mentioned this match, it was the last WCW match for Johnny B. Bad, real name Mark Barrow. He would leave the company because his contract expired, and he would almost immediately sign with the WWF. Because if you forgot, Mark Barrow made his debut at WrestleMania 12, which was only, what, two weeks later? So there you go. Also this week in 1996 on Monday Nitro, the Steiners made their surprise return to WCW. They were in the WWF for uh, the last bunch of years. They came back and defeated the Road Warriors on Nitro. This same week, Mark Henry made his WWF TV debut. It was a pre-taped segment where he gorilla-pressed Jerry the King Lawler. Now, there is footage of this online. You don't really see the entire segment. You just see... Mark Henry, Gorilla Pressing Loyal. But still, an important moment this week in 96. Now, another audio clip for everyone. It was this week in 1996. I went to the New York show. And I know if you have read books and you have seen interviews and heard interviews since then, Mick Foley was quite offended, taken back, I think would probably be a better way to put it, of how the New York crowd treated him this week in 96. Now, pretty much where where I'm going with this is, Back in 96, one of my favorite events of all time to witness live. I didn't go to the Philly show, but I went to the New York show. I saw most of the Philly show on video. One of the most enjoyable, fun ECW events to ever be a part of and as a fan. ECW had an event called Big Ass Extreme Bash. Part one, night one, happened here in Queens, New York at the Lost Battalion Hall. And part two happened in Philadelphia the next day. Now, I'm not going to go through the cards and everything, but the reason why I'm bringing this up was this was Mick Foley's last two appearances in ECW. He wrestled Chris Jericho here in New York, which is the match that I saw live in in person. And then in Philly the next day, he wrestled Mikey Whipwreck, um, and that was his last match. Now, when he wrestled Jericho, and again, I've read a book, I've seen and heard some interviews you know, Mick Foley was really taken back at how the New York crowd was dogging him. Now, at that time, we knew that he was leaving to go to WWF. I mean, we already knew. I mean, he was wearing the WWF and F shirts. It was funny. I mean, look, I was a gigantic fan of Cactus Jack. Just everything about his promos, I mean, seriously, he was fucking awesome in ECW. So this was his next-to-last match, his next-to-last appearance in ECW before going to WWF. And he said that the crowd really, really, really had heat on him, and they were just trolling him the whole night. I don't remember it that bad. I mean, you got to understand something. Chris Jericho, we heard about in magazines. I have one bootleg video of uh, featuring him and Lance Storm you know, as a tag team, the Thrill Seekers. And there was a lot about Chris Jericho that we were excited about. And he was in ECW and we were really enjoying it. So you put a guy that the fans were really starting to get behind against Mick Foley, you know, New York crowd, you know, it's, it was, it's different than Philly. There was a lot, I will say this, 
there were a lot of fans that were in attendance that night that weren't regular, long-time, die-hard, committed like some people are towards President Trump these days, like, you know, as they were towards ECW. There was a lot of newer fans there. So they didn't have that real intimate connection with ECW. And, you know, they trolled Mick Foley a little bit. So, you know, the match ended. Chris Jericho got the win. And, you know, Mick Foley left the arena, and that was the end of it. So the next night, he wrestles in Philly. He takes on Mikey Whipwreck and actually wins the match. And then after the match was over, he got on the mic. And I have the audio of his promo. Um, I had to pull it from my own archives because I was amazed. There's not even, like, daily motion videos of it. Look, it's not a a tremendous promo. It's not like his ECW promo. But it was still a nice, touching way for him to go out. And kudos to the Philly fans because they really showed the love to him. And by the way, when you hear him talking about a kid named John, you know, there was a disabled kid that always sat ringside. I saw him a bunch of times. I never went up to him. I never, you know, talked to him. You know, he he was just a fan. But, um, you know, he really, really, I mean, Mick Foley was his favorite. And he would always give his crutch to the wrestlers during matches. So if you watch some ECW matches from ECW Arena in the mid-90s, you'll see a disabled kid with a crutch. And you'll see some of the wrestlers pick up the crutch, use it as a weapon, give it back to the kid. That's John. So when you hear Mick Foley reference John, you know who I'm talking about. So here it is. The second night of Big Ass Extreme Bash, Mick Foley says goodbye to ECW.
to tell you, I sat back in front of the monitor and had the time of my life for about three hours and 45 minutes of it until it came time to get out of here. But I'll tell you what I see when I'm back there enjoying those shows that I've never seen in any other wrestling organization I've been in is a group of people who give a damn.
bullshit aside. Every one of us appreciates you, what you've done here, both of you, even me. If I have one last wish, I'd like to strut out of the ECW arena. Hit the music! Big week, 1996. We're still going in 96. Monday Night Raw, another moment that was just weird. Some people have written about it over the years and called it scary. Young kids claim they had nightmares about it. I don't know if you all ever remember it. It's never brought up for some reason. But at that time, they were hyping up WrestleMania 12. And as I said earlier, that Mark Merrill debuted at WrestleMania 12. Well, they were doing a storyline with Big Daddy Cool Diesel feuding with The Undertaker. So this week in 1996, Diesel is wrestling on Raw against, I think, uh, Barry Horowitz. And there was a casket at ringside. So Diesel is constantly looking at the casket. He's having his match, blah, 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 blah. I think we know what the match result was. You know, he's facing Barry Horowitz. I think we know who won and who lost. After the match is over, Diesel goes at ringside. And he looks at the casket. The casket is closed. And he opens the casket. And who is inside the casket? Diesel. And they actually had a close-up on his face. And it freaked people out because here's Diesel at ringside opening the casket and he there's a, he's in the casket. People are like, who the fuck did they get to play? He looked perfect. It, looked, it was weird, scary, creepy. But we have learned over the years that what had happened was they positioned the casket at ringside so fans sitting ringside really couldn't see all that well inside. So what they did was earlier in the day, they actually put Diesel inside the casket and they filmed about three or four seconds of Diesel close up side, you know, they showed from sideways close up inside the casket. So when Diesel live on Raw or you know, opens the casket, and then we see Diesel inside the casket. They actually flashed from uh, a, that that footage was played from earlier in the day. So they spliced it all together. So what we got was Diesel opening the casket and then the footage spliced in from a couple of hours earlier of Diesel inside the casket. And then Diesel quickly closed the casket. It was very well done, but it was very creepy at the time. And... Uh, I don't know. I just, I liked it. I just thought it was pretty, pretty cool. And also this week in 1996, we got the infamous announcement. Scheme Gene on the geriatric control center announced the huckster versus the nacho man. WrestleMania 12. I didn't get the audio, everyone. I was going to play it, you know, dig it. But, uh, so much other stuff to get into. So there you go. Big week, 1996. 1997, Raw, episode 200. And, you know, people make a big deal about this was because they changed the graphic, they changed the pyro, they used the new intro, which was Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People. But because of copyright issues, they changed from The Beautiful People to Thorn in Your Eye, which is one of probably the most popular Raw theme songs of all time. You know, they had a theme song for the first hour of Raw, and then they had a different song for the second hour. I think it was Raw is War and then the War Zone. So there you go. And um, this is the first episode people believe 
that Vince Russo was writing as the head writer of Monday Night Raw. So for those that always wondered, when did Vince Russo take over, you know, official duties as far as head writer? You know, rumor has it, it was this week in 1997. Raw 200, arguably maybe the first episode that he wrote as head writer. 1999, Kurt Angle makes his WWF TV debut during a segment on Sunday Night Heat with Tiger Ali Singh. Basically how it went down, he offered 500 bucks for anybody to blow their nose on the American flag. Uh, Kurt Angle is sitting at ringside with his ex-wife, Karen Angle. And, you know, we were just barely introduced to Kurt Angle, you know, back then. Uh, Tiger Ali Singh brings Kurt Angle into the ring, offers him $500. I think he increased the offer maybe to $5,000. Kurt Angle actually agrees to blow his nose on the American flag. He grabs the flag, is about to blow his nose. Tiger Ali Singh turns around and says, you see, I can buy any American. And then Kurt Angle lets the flag go, gets the Iranian flag. I think it was the Iranian flag. And blew his nose on that flag instead. Then you had Kurt Angle, I think, hit like an angle slam. Or he definitely hit a belly-to-back suplex. And uh, Kurt Angle was uh, introduced to the crowd. And it went over well. I mean, Kurt Angle on the mic that night was, you know, nothing memorable. But the whole segment was really, really good. So that happened this week in 99. For those that are wondering, what happened on Monday Nitro that same week in 1999? Well, this was the Monday Nitro where Kevin Nash was the head booker for, uh, for WCW at that time. And he came up with an idea to basically have no wrestling for the entire first hour of Nitro. It was all skits and segments. And that was hour one. And, you know, when people, I read people's analysis of that night today, and they're like, Kevin Nash, you know, had a hunch, made a gamble, and it paid off because they did a 4.4 rating. Raw had the momentum that time. Wrestling as a whole had momentum that time. I mean, that night, Raw did a 6.4 rating and Nitro did a 4.4. You add those two together, it's almost an 11 rating for wrestling that night. So whether that first hour had wrestling or didn't have wrestling, you know, especially back then, I don't even think Raw Nitro's first hour compete competed yet with Monday Night Raw. So fans, for the most part, weren't going to tune out. Now, thank God this wasn't a weekly thing. This was basically a test. You know, it was something different. I don't remember people really saying that it was great or enjoyed it, but it was something different. You know, so that took place. And for those that are curious, the matches that did play take place that night that we did not see on Nitro, Leparco over Hoovy, Chavito over Norman Smiley, Bam Bam over Mike Enos, Fit Finley over Prince Iokea, and then we had the matches that took place in hour two and hour three on Nitro. So two thousand, Hideo Tommy makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestles under the name uh, Kenta Kobayashi and was part of a 10-man battle royal at All Japan Pro Wrestling's One Night Special. The match was won by Yoshinobu Kanemura. Other participants in the match were Haruka uh, Aigen, Junji Juni Izumura, Makoto Hashi, Mitsuya Mamota, Naomichi Marafuchi, Russia Kimura, Takeshi Inoue, and Takeshi Morishima. I think I got the names pronounced right. That was my little research. That same week in ECW presented their Living Dangerously pay-per-view in Danbury, Connecticut. The reason why we always remember that night, 
New Jack and Vic Rhymes had that very scary fall. Uh, it's just, it's really, really disturbing to watch. I mean, they were on top of, uh, you know, the, the, the floor, 25 feet high. They set up a bunch of tables. They both were going to dive off, go through the tables. It ends up that they missed the tables. Vic Rhymes, who was a big boy at that time, landed on New Jack's head. Uh, Vic Rhymes suffered some nerve damage. New Jack suffered permanent blindness in his right eye. Wasn't completely blind, but I think he was considered legally blind. And, you know, people always look back at it as the Danbury fall. And, you know, longtime wrestling fans know, you know, when I worked for XPW here in the Northeast, I actually became a little bit friendly with Vic Rhymes and had the pleasure of talking to him quite a few times outside of wrestling. Um, I actually even did an old interview with him, you know, hyping up some XPW stuff. I, I know Vic Rhymes will always remember because at that time I was selling on eBay a video that had like a couple of women in wrestling, you know, in little compromising predicaments. Uh, you know, there was a certain valet that was in a porn called Live Bait. We had the Beulah Penthouse video, the Kimona Strip. And this was a hot video item that I used to sell on eBay. And I remember one of the first things that um, my conversations with Vic Grimes, where he was, uh, you got that video, you know, with the girls? And I, I made him the video and, you know, but he told me a lot about that fall that night. And he swears to this day, you know, he felt, well, I haven't talked to him in, what, 12 years at least, maybe more. But at that time, he just felt totally, totally guilty as far as what happened. One of the nicest people you would ever meet outside the ring. I mean, him and Pogo the Clown, as far as like gigantic big men who are actually really, really nice, cool people, those two guys, easily those two guys. It was so, so cool. And, you know, people may not know, but, you know, Vic Rhymes and New Jack would have a match in XPW, and some people called it a receipt back to Vic Grimes. And you see that footage. If you thought living dangerously was disturbing, look at the footage in XPW of what happened with Vic Grimes and New Jack. That is fucking scary, scary shit. And that happened in California. I This is before they came to the Northeast, and I actually got involved behind, you know, just doing basic stuff behind the scenes. Trust me, I, I don't want anybody to think that it was like, you know, writing stuff. No, I, I was just basically an assistant. You know, do this, do that, do this, do this. You know, I always tried to get, you know, little ideas thrown in and stuff like that. I always wanted to see uh, East Coast versus West Coast. That was the storyline I thought that would have been hot. Just keep it simple. When they first came to the Northeast, have the storyline and call it East Coast versus West Coast. I think it would have been great. And they sort of had that, but it wasn't clear cut. And with all of the bullshit that people were getting at that time because of, uh, you know, the State Athletic Commission and websites and certain promotions. I don't want to get into the whole story now. This is a history segment. But, you know, I just want to give you your overall synopsis of New Jack and Vic Grimes. 2001 was a night to remember this week in wrestling history. And when I say night is because everything pretty much went down on that Monday. First off, ECW cancels Living Dangerously 2001. And that pretty much gave us the feeling that ECW was done. And the nail in the coffin took place later on that night. And I remember my wrestling hotline blowing up that night. 
Monday Night Raw opens up. Jim Ross is on the mic, and then they move the camera over to the left. Our, you know, us watching to the left, and uh, Paul Heyman is standing there, sitting there with the ECW hat on, and we're like, wait a minute, you know, ECW, why are you on Raw? If you follow my show every week, Jerry Lawler recently walked out because the cat got fired, so Paul Heyman took his place. So once we saw Paul Heyman become the commentator for Monday Night Raw, replacing Jerry Lawler, we pretty much had that real horrible sinking feeling that, yeah, ECW is finally closing its doors. That night on Raw, a couple of things went down. First off, um, the Hardys defeated the Dudleys to win the tag titles. Bubba Ray Dudley pow- uh, superbombed Mae Young through a table. On Nitro, we had AJ Styles wrestle. He, him and Air Paris lost to Kid Romeo and Neelix Skipper. But getting back to Raw on 2001, if you remember last week and the week before, I talked about how Vince McMahon and Stephanie were really humiliating Trish Stratus. Last week, they put Trish's head inside of like one of these you know, like pails that you use to mop floors, and it looked like a whole bunch of oatmeal. It just looked disgusting in the, in the ring. They're just totally humiliating Trish Stratus. So this week in 2001, Trish Stratus comes out, and she has something to say to Vince McMahon. And I made note of this on social media. You know, there's a lot of websites that will do like Today in Wrestling History, and it's not a complete list. They'll get into maybe five or six things. Fine. But you would think that this moment that took place in 2001 was big enough of a deal that at least one of the websites would have mentioned it. Not one website covered it. And you know what the sad part about it is? Some of those very same websites have interviewed Tristratus over the years. And when they have Tristratus on for an interview, they have no problem bringing up this moment. But when it comes to talking about history, everybody seemed to have forgotten the night that Vince made Trish Stratus strip into her bra and panties, almost nude, and bark like a dog. Now before... Here's some McMahon in our nation's capital being referred with that same Now old before champ. you say whatever it is you're going to say... I want you to realize just who is standing here in front of you, just who I am. He's Mr. McMahon, the chairman of the board of the World Wrestling Federation. I've only got two words for you, Mr. McMahon. Gotta bleep this one. This will be great. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're sorry? Yes! I'm so sorry! sorry. I, I deserved everything. I didn't mean to make you mad. I really didn't. I, I know there's only one dominant female in the WWF. I know that I deserved everything that you did to me. I, please, there's only well, one do dominant female. to show you how much you mean to me, please. I, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I'm She's so sorry. I'm so sorry. anything to show you. I, I, I'm sorry. This is sad. This is how employees should treat the boss. You're sorry. Next time, catch that microphone when I throw it. Yeah, catch it. He's the chairman, damn it. You're sorry. 
you don't mind that, that I kind of doubt, okay, that you're really sorry. I mean, Trish, I have to question why you're sorry. Are you sorry because you're not wearing a mink coat tonight? Are you sorry, Trish, because you're not being gifted diamond earrings? Are you sorry because you're not riding in a nice long limo, Trish? I see. Well, then, then that would lead me to, to ask you then, just how sorry are you? Are you as sorry as my comatose wife sitting in a sanatorium drooling? Are you as sorry as my wife Linda is for trying to double cross me? Are you that sorry? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're that sorry, then prove to me just how sorry you are. What's so terrible about it? Right here in this very ring. What do you mean? Then, you know, if you prove to me that you're really, really sorry, then you'll win back my loyalty. And that would bring me to man's most loyal friend man's best friend Trish you're sorry get on your hands and knees like a dog oh for God's sakes you've gotta be kidding me get on your hands and knees like a dog okay She's a human being. I used to have a female dog, and that bitch did everything I told her to do. Now, damn it, get out. Oh, that's, get just, out. that's just too much. That's too much. Now, now cross her out. that she's doing it. That's it. Personally, I love yeah, submissive that's it. women. Crawl around like a dog. You're sorry. You're sorry for Mr. McMahon. Yeah, you're sorry. Now, hang on. Hold up. Right there. Now, then, I want you to tell me in dog language just how sorry you are okay yeah tell me in dog language speak trish speak damn it bark like a dog <laughs> no, that's not what you said bark like a dog come on tell me you're sorry <laughs> oh all right get up get up you disgust me and you know what? I still don't believe you're sorry. I've seen you on all fours before. They haven't. Oh, my God. Yes! Yes! I love it! What's you know that? what, Trish? I've seen you in some other way, and they haven't. And they're about to, because if you're really, really sorry, Trish, take your clothes off. Have just gone too far. The hell it has! It's just begun! Oh, yeah! This sorry! Is, Come on, you're sorry! This is. Take your clothes off! Take your coat off! Take it off! Oh, man! How I love this show yeah, today! Take your coat off! Now then, Trish. Yeah, you're sorry. You want to prove your loyalty to me, right? Now take your blouse off, Trish. Come on. This is utter humiliation. This is as bad as last week. I said take it off now. What kind of man is, is this? He's the hero. Look what he's getting her to do. 
Washington, D.C., and I'm going to get the seat push. You know something, Trish? That's not good enough. You're uh, damn right it's not. Because if you're really sorry, I'm wondering what color panties you're wearing tonight, Trish. I don't if know you're really sorry, uh-huh, you really, really are sorry, take your skirt off and take it off now. This is going too I far. I said take no it off if you're sorry. How humiliating! Are you sorry enough now, Trish, huh? Are you sorry enough for Mr. McMahon? You know what? I don't think so. No, you're not sorry enough. Not for Mr. McMahon. So everybody at home that's watching, I'm warning you now. Everybody that's in the arena, turn your back if you don't want to see this. What is he, what's he talking you're about? Sorry. Take your bra off and take it off now. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Oh, 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 yeah. Damn it, I said take it off, Trish. She's going to do it. For the love of... Oh, come on. This is gone. You know what? What? I've changed my mind. I think these people have seen enough of you. No, no, they haven't. They need to see more. Thank God, he's... Machiavellian mind of McMahon. He's finally come to some sense of... Now, Trish, you know what? I'm beginning to think... I'm beginning to think... You really are sorry. Mr. McMahon, not even you know how far I would degrade myself for the right cause. Oh, you chose the right cause, Trish. You may take your leave. You chose the right cause. You stopped it. I cannot believe. Now then, as Trish is leaving, some of you may be upset with this little display of humility. I'm upset that he stopped her. But you know, I want you to think, I want you to think about one thing. And that is simply that everyone in this arena, most everyone at home, but everyone in this arena is a lot like Trish. See, just think about it. You see, because most everybody here in the metropolitan area in one way or the other, here in Washington, D.C., works for the government, which means that you're real, real close to politics, which means you're no different than Trish. You're just about this far from prostitution yourself. Gosh almighty! I cannot believe this indignant display, this act of utter humiliation for the second week in a row for Chris Stratus. And look at Mr. McMahon strutting out of here like he's done something significant in his life. He stopped her! Now, to Trisha's credit, if you hear an interview about this, and the interview that she did with JR not too long ago, I think is probably the best one. You know, she has no problem with the segment. Now, she doesn't look back at the segment 
fondly where she's going to watch it and enjoy it and this and that. But as far as the character development and the storyline, she doesn't regret it. And it really helped her character. And yeah, if you go look at it, you know, at that time, it was very disturbing. But in the end, you know, Vince got, you know, uh, got, he got, got, I guess you could call it. And Trish got a revenge. It's just, you know, some things just were a little bit uncomfortable at that time. And I'm not going to get into, you know, just different things. We're just focusing on this week in history. But still, it was a little bit uncomfortable that night. I mean, the fans live didn't mind. You know, her literally opening up a bra. I don't think I minded all that much either. But um, today, people, oh, my God, you'd get a bullet in your head. You fucking say that you love this segment like that. Figurative bull, bullet in the head. Not a real bullet. 2002, Muhammad Hassan makes his pro wrestling debut. He lost in his debut match under the name Mark Magnus. He wrestled against Terry Taylor for USA Championship Wrestling out of Nashville, Tennessee. That same week on Monday Night Raw, two things. First off, the NWO, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan defeated Steve Austin and The Rock in the two-on-three handicap match. The reason why I mention that match, that is the only time Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin were involved in a match together in the WWE slash WWF ring. Also, this week in 2002, we had a couple of segments take place on Monday Night Raw that I know WWF is not proud of. Uh, If I say the name Lucy, does that ring a bell to a lot of people out there? I actually was going to use a screenshot of the segment from that night on Raw because of the way Stephanie had her hands around the face of, quote-unquote, Triple H's dog, Lucy. It looked violent. It looked like animal abuse. I don't think she put any pressure on it, but it just had it had a good visual to it. Then I thought, you know, it's just going <laughs> to disturb people. So instead, I decided to use a different clip that went down as well, um, which you will see in a, in a few moments. But first, let's get into the crappy And then we'll get into the good. I got some highlights of what went down with Lucy that night on Raw. And let me give you an overall synopsis. It's basically three segments. Segment number one, we see Stephanie in like a dressing room, office, whatever, you know, at the building with Lucy sitting on the couch. She doesn't like Lucy. She doesn't like the dog. The dog smells. She's got her hands around Lucy's face, trying to make it look like that she's, you know, smothering the dog. Not trying to kill it, but just don't like the dog. I hate you. So we see that. Triple H enters the room. You know, Stephanie claims that she owns has rights to the dog. Triple H is against that. Triple H is telling Stephanie, don't mess with my dog. So then segment number two, Chris Jericho is in that same room with Stephanie. Stephanie's trying to get Jericho to bring the dog outside the building. We then see the dog took a massive shit on the floor. It was funny because there were lumps of shit all over the leash. And Stephanie gives the leash to Jericho and she's like, take this dog out of here. It smells. It's disgusting. So Jericho brings the dog outside. And it's very cold that night. And, you know, Lawler and Jim Ross made certain to point that out to us. Jericho brings the dog into the parking lot area, takes the leash in storyline and ties the leash to the side of a limousine. So this way, Lucy can't escape and Chris Jericho doesn't have to keep walking her and he doesn't have to be bothered. So Lucy is tied by the leash to the side of a limousine. And we then get segment three 
where Chris Jericho goes outside. He's on the phone with Stephanie. Stephanie's asking Chris Jericho to go pick up some air fresheners because it really, really smells inside the dressing room. So Chris Jericho asks the limo driver to take him to go buy some air fresheners. They forget that Lucy is tied by the leash outside the limo. No, we don't see any graphic footage or anything like that. We do see Triple H come outside moments later. You know, you'd think if you really love your dog that much, you'd, like, be angry to the point, to tears, and wanting to kill someone. I know I would. But uh, here's how it went down that night. Lucy gets run over by a limousine Monday Night Raw. That. You know what, Lucy? You are the ugliest, smelliest, fattest dog I've ever seen in my life. You're not even like a dog. You're like like a little pig, farting all the time, snorting all the time. You know, I hope you liked being in that cage today in that airplane, Lucy, because you're going to be spending the rest of your life in a cage. And you know what else? Your daddy... He might love you, but I hate you. Oh, Lucy! Hey! Did you miss your daddy? Huh? Oh, you did miss your daddy. That's right. You miss your daddy. That miss you too. That's right. Here's your baby. Steph, I'll tell you what. We've done some horrible stuff to each other, but... Like my vet? Yeah. Well, sorry about that, but... Thanks for bringing my dog. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, Hunter. I'm sorry, but Lucy's not your dog anymore. What are you talking about? According to this court order, Lucy is mine. You see, I went to the judge and I told him how you beat Lucy, how you don't feed her, you mistreat what? her. So, the judge issued Lucy to me until the divorce proceedings are final. So tell me something, Hunter. Who's the bitch now? Well, if that's the way it's gotta be. Oh, that's the way it is. Tell me what, Steph. What? I'm warning you, do not screw with my dog. Or what? Try me. What is that smell? It's not the dog, it's... It sort of smells like a... Oh, oh no! Right in the middle of your office, too. It's filthy. Oh, it's oh. the leash is all dragging in it. Jericho, here, here. You're crazy. Take her for a walk. No. Come here. Take her. Take her for a walk. Oh, Go. Disgusting. Get her out of here and get someone to clean up this mess. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm Go. No. Go. I know. I Please. hate dogs. Oh. Ew. Oh, Lucy did number two. Ew. Poor Lucy. <laughs> she must be freezing out there. Oh, dogs can take the cold. Don't worry, Steph. I took care of the dog. She won't be coming back again. Now, did they clean all that up? Yeah? Air freshener? Hold on. Hey, Junior, you know no. we can get some air freshener around here? Yeah, there's an all-night store about two blocks out here. Yeah? You want a ride? 
Yeah, we can get some. Okay. All right, hop in. Tell me to hop in. You open the door for me. I'm the undisputed champion. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Shut the hell up. Open the door. Yes, sir. Junior. Okay, I'm a me, living sir. legend. Excuse me, sir. Now come on, let's go. Step on okay, it. Okay. Hurry. And that jerk was a jackass. The drivers should know their place. Damn right that you just hit something. You better go check out the mess you made, Junior. You're in trouble. Oh no. We're back live here. The hell is going on? Hey, what the hell's going on? Uh, there's a dog stuck out of the car, but uh, she's still alive. But I think she's hurt. Lucy, get, get help, you idiot! Jesus, Lucy. Hold on, hold on, girl, okay? Somebody come right now, hold on. Get help! Damn it. Hold on, girl. I wouldn't say that it was disturbing at that time. I think, I just remember it just being lousy, just not good. It was just hokey, stupid. I don't, I don't remember animal activists all in an uproar. I think just people thought it was dumb. Another segment that happened on Raw, and this actually took place a week before. So technically, if you want to go with March 4th instead of March 5th, fine. But I'm sure nobody's going to have a problem with it. This featured The Undertaker and David Flair. The storyline was Undertaker was trying to get Ric Flair to fight him. WrestleMania was coming up, so Undertaker was basically making threats. So this is 2002. This is shortly after WCW closed its doors. And at that time, David Flair, Ric Flair's son, had a developmental deal with WWE. So we saw footage of David Flair wrestling uh, for WWE in the developmental system. And then Undertaker shows up uh, while they're wrestling. Now, they're in a school. They're not at an event. You know, the David Flair's wrestling inside a school. Undertaker shows up beats the piss out of David Flair. David is busted open. Really, really good visual. I mean, it was pre-recorded, obviously, so they might have had to have taken an extra take here and there, but Undertaker drags David Flair into, like, a shower stall or a bathroom. It's got to be a shower stall because there's no toilet in there. And then Undertaker is basically sitting on the floor, David Flair in like his arms, so to speak. And I used that photo for the synopsis. I thought it was a great visual. And Undertaker is cutting a promo, you know, baiting Ric Flair to fight him. And you got to remember, this is quite a while ago. We're going all the way back to 2002. And you hear Undertaker basically saying, don't you have a younger brother who unfortunately is no longer with us, Reed? And you got a sister too. Now, we don't know if he was talking about Charlotte, but still, I thought it was a pretty fun promo. Here you go, American Badass, right after his beatdown to David Flair. King, this is perverse. This kid's bleeding. I realize that. Yeah. What are you doing? What am I doing? Kicking my ass. What do you think I'm doing? Get up here. Get, get your ass up here. Get up here. Get up. Come here. You see, Flair? 
I told you. That I... oh, shut up! I told you that I wasn't gonna take no for an answer. Now, this your oldest boy here. And you know what he means to me? He don't mean a damn thing to me. You know, you got what I want. And all it is is a yes. This is it. This is on your head, man. Because I don't give a damn. Right, David? Huh? You want to say anything to your dear old dad? You want to... Shut up! You want to ask him why you're getting your ass kicked? Hey. Hey, don't you have a little brother? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You have a sister, don't you? <laughs> What's it gonna be, Flair? Because I really don't care how far I gotta go. <laughs> School's over for the day. You done real good, boy. <laughs> you done real good. 2003. The Rock loses on Monday Night Raw to the Hurricane in a no-disqualification match. Now, I remember this match. Steve Austin came out, distracted The Rock. Hurricane got the win. The reason why I bring this up, a little piece of trivia, I kind of teased this on Twitter not too long ago. This is the last time that The Rock has ever lost in a WWE match on a non-pay-per-view. All right, And when you look at that in the annals of history... It is pretty entertaining. And yeah, The Rock doesn't wrestle for the most part anymore. But when you realize that he has not lost a TV match outside of a pay-per-view since 2003, it's a pretty big deal. You got to remember, what was going on at that time? In 2003, at this time, there was no Twitter, no Facebook, no MySpace, no Instagram. You could still smoke in clubs and restaurants. The average price for a gallon of gas here in New York was $1.36. Our U.S. national debt was about half of what it is now. The last time that The Rock lost a non-pay-per-view match on TV, 97% of people out there listened to their music by CD. Only about 2% listened through digital means. We also, the internet connection of choice at that time was 56K modem. Now, for all you young fans out there that never dealt with 56K, I invite anyone, do a Google search and type in how slow was 56K. And there are simulations online where you could see how long it took to download a one megabyte photo between now and back in 2003. And when you see how slow shit was at that time, you understand why. When we were doing podcasts in 0304 and I was uploading hotline reports, it would take hours to get this shit online. Now it takes me five to ten minutes. But it is just amazing how times have changed since then. Back in 2003, 53% of U.S. uh, homes watched movies by buying VHS tapes, not DVDs. At that time, Netflix 
their service, you would pay a fee and they would mail DVDs to your house so you could use it and then you return it. So there's a lot of things changed since then. Times have changed quite a bit. This week also in 2003, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, SmackDown taping. Kurt Angle defeated Brock Lesnar to retain a title. Match took 77 seconds due to Team Angle. And for those that don't recall, that was the night that Kurt Angle had swapped in his brother, Eric Angle. And that was the first time Brock Lesnar was defeated on television. 2004. You know, we always remember Mick Foley presenting This Is Your Life for The Rock. And in recent memory, we had that debacle with Alexa Bliss and Bailey and This Is Your Life. Well, it's amazing how many people forgot that The Rock presented This Is Your Life to Mick Foley in 2004. Nobody remembers Doris Snyder and Jimmy Snooker coming out. And Doris Snyder, you know, this the woman that apparently owned the house in Storyline where Mick Foley dove off the roof and there was a lot of sexual innuendos. That night we learned that Jimmy Snooker likes pie and he leaves with 82-year-old Doris Snyder to go to a hotel and have sex. You remember that? Here's a couple of highlights. 2004, This Is Your Life, Mick Foley. Rock, I, I gotta tell you, I thought when I... When I heard you were having this year live, I thought you were going to whip out like an ex-girlfriend who might tell an embarrassing story about my sexual problem. But this is, this, is, this is wonderful. I mean, here's a woman that not only let us kids play in the backyard, but then let us line up at her front porch for some hot cookies, cold milk, and most of all, some mouth-watering pie. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. what are you talking about? Let The Rock get this straight. Hold on a second. We'll get to the bottom of this. Let The Rock get this straight. Are you, are you actually saying that you actually ate this woman's... <laughs> pie? No! Of course that's what I'm saying. It was delicious. I mean, it was the best on the block. The best on the block? Yeah, all the kids lined up. The girls, too. The girls, too? Stray dogs. Stray eh? dogs. Stray dogs. Wow, what in the hell kind of house you running, honey? Well, well, sure, it was it was a little crusty. No! But, uh, no! <laughs> the Rock doesn't want to hear about crusty wait, wait, old pie. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, rock, hold on. Rock, Mrs. Snyder, I have a feeling that The Rock and I are not exactly talking about the same thing here. Oh, no, I bet we are, so excuse The Rock one second. Mrs. Snyder, no disrespect, but The Rock has to ask you, are you still giving out, uh, pie? No, I'm not serving pie from my porch anymore. Oh, well, thank God. You see, I told everything <laughs> no, is fine. No, oh. but I'm keeping my back door open for Strudel. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, 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 oh. what do you mean you're keeping your back door open for Strudel? What? Don't look at the rock like that. Don't try and touch the rock. What's the matter with you? Oh, well, look, hey, hey, no, no. <laughs> no, mama. You can't have any of that. That's right. Get, get in the corner, you sick freak. What's wrong with you? It's better off if you just better off in the corner. Right. Right. Leave her back door open for strudel. But thank Ooh. you for coming. Thank you for coming. Hey, you need a doctor for that. That's wrong. That's sick. All right. Okay. Okay. And, okay. All right. Tell you what we're going to do. The Rock needs it. 
Actually, The Rock needs to take a shower. Stop looking at The Rock's ass like that. <laughs>
for clip number two. I have two clips to share with everyone. They're quick. But I wanted to play them side by side because of the similarities between the two. And obviously that was blatant. But this was something that I think WWE really should have jumped on and continued it for many more weeks. Or, you know, the hype up WrestleMania, maybe you could have started it a couple of weeks earlier. But this week on Monday Night Raw, Edge refused to wrestle in Arizona because of a particular reason. Cena, I am so ready to kick the hell out of you right now. But I'm also a huge civil rights activist. And Arizona happens to be one of the last states that recognized Martin Luther King Day. I'm Canadian, I'm colorblind, so I can't perform in front of these bigots. What? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Unfortunately for you, Johnny Nitro's great-great-grandmother happens to be black. And he demanded, shut up! And Johnny Nitro demanded to beat you down tonight. Go get him, Nitro! Go get him! Well, JR, have you ever heard such a story in your life? That's absurd! The following week on Raw, he refused to wrestle Jeff Hardy because of this reason. You know, Jeff, I'd love nothing more than to beat the hell out of you and show you the pecking order in the Money in the Bank ladder match. But we're in Washington, D.C. And it happens to be home of the Washington Redskins. And I'll be damned, I'll be damned if I'm going to perform in a city that encourages such a racial slur against Native Americans. Shut up! However, I do have a friend of Indian descent. And he said he'll take my place in this match tonight. And Jeff, Jeffrey, trust me, he's not in a very good mood. What's he talking about? Native American? I... Wait a minute, King. Uh-oh, that's a different kind of Indian. The great Kali oh, is no. from India. And he's a seven feet three, 420 pounder. And Jeff Hardy must be thinking, what the hell have I done to deserve this? Now, I don't know if Johnny Nitro, John Morrison's great great grandmother, whoever it was, actually was black. It didn't matter. I mean, just a way of Edge pussying out of matches. Again, I thought that that was brilliant at the time, and it should have lasted longer. I just I thought it was great. Now, of course, you don't want to pay Edge week in and week out not to wrestle, but still, it was really, really good. 2008, Raw from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Chris Jericho defeats Jeff Hardy to win the IC title. The reason why I mention this match, uh, the next day, Jeff Hardy was suspended for a second violation of WWE's wellness policy. 
At that time, it was announced that he would be suspended for 60 days. His first violation had come in July of 2007, just a few weeks after the death of Chris Benoit, right before the Signature Pharmacy scandal. So Jeff Hardy at that time was the first wrestler to be suspended after the, the wellness policy was amended to include violators' names be made public. you got to remember, originally when they started the wellness, they were not making public who was violate, you know, violated the wellness. I mean, things leaked out in the dirt sheets, but WWE made it uh, an amendment that they would mention the names publicly. And I still remember the memes at that time. You remember he was supposed to uh, be the favorite to win money in a bank at WrestleMania, and because of his suspension, they gave it to CM Punk. And I still remember someone made a, made a, a meme like, you know, you dumbass, you could have been this, and they had CM Punk holding like a title. And later on, we would have CM Punk and Jeff Hardy have a feud, so it's kind of like the roles reverse for those two. I mean, CM Punk was not going to get suspended for a wellness violation, but I think that feud was in the works no matter what. But obviously, you know, it had to be changed or postponed because of the wellness suspension. 2009, JBL defeats CM Punk to win the IC Championship. At that time, it made JBL the 10th Grand Slam champion in WWE history. Uh, since JBL's win, there's been a few people <coughs> who have been Grand Slam champions. Christian Big Show, Miz, Daniel Bryan, Jericho. So there's been quite a few. If you want to go further back, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle. So uh, it's a pretty unique, you know, thing to have. And uh, just a little note, that would be JBL's last championship. Uh, less than 30 days later, at WrestleMania 25, Rey Mysterio defeated him in 21 seconds to claim the title. And JBL uh, quit after that because he was legitimately retiring from pro wrestling. 2009, XPW. Rob Zakari and his wife, Janet, uh, a.k.a. Lizzie Borden, they pled guilty in federal court on one count of conspiracy to distribute obscene materials. You know, this was a mess, and I don't want to get into the whole, you know, shtick of it. It's not because I did some work for them, and I always thought Rob Black was a cool guy. I mean, I, you know, even though I was working a little bit behind the scenes, I never really interacted with him all that much. But he was pretty cool, and honestly, his wife... Janet Romano, a.k.a. Lizzie Borden, she was a sweetheart. She really was. I know, you know, some people are turned off by porn and stuff like that, and but I still remember one of the first, if not first event, one of the first events that XBW had in the Northeast. And I, re I remember this, and this is something you'd never hear anywhere else. Uh, it was a birthday, like a day or two before. And I remember somebody went out in the blizzard to go and buy her a birthday cake, and in the ECW arena, everybody, me, everybody was there, and they surprised her with a birthday cake, and, you know, it was it was really, really cool. I mean, to see, you know, people out of their element in real life, I mean, you'd be very surprised how different some people are, so... But, um, you know, it was a messed up situation. You know, they, they, they were indicted originally in 2003, and there was a movie that was filmed in 2002. I don't condone this type of content, but it was simulated rape. And, you know, apparently they sold the video and shipped it across state lines. I think it might have been um, Pennsylvania that it might have been the state that was involved with it. 
But um, it was this week in 09 that they actually pled guilty in federal court. So, um, you know, he basically was sentenced to one year and one day in federal prison. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, it's a shame because uh, I really thought XPW, it wasn't, I didn't think XPW would replace ECW or be the next ECW, even though it did copy a lot of ECW. But I think a lot of people forgot there was a lot of wrestlers who were just trying to earn a payday back then. I'll never forget how Ring of Honor treated uh, Boogaloo and Lowrider, you know, for the, just because they wanted to wrestle as the dead presidents for an XPW event. I've talked about that story in the past before. Just a lot of politics and, you know, to just see it up close and in person and, you know, see real people, like, crying because they got families to support. There's a lot of reasons why I don't like certain people in wrestling that I have mentioned in the past. If you saw some of the little political bullshit things that go on in real life that never gets reported because people online just want a hand job, you know, not figure you know, not literally, but figuratively, it's, it's fucked up, man. It's really fucked up. So 2009 as well. Not a good week. Ken Shamrock suspended for one year and fined $2,500 by the California State Athletic Commission after he tested positive for three different types of steroids. And that ruling came less than two weeks before Ken Shamrock was supposed to fight Bobby Lashley at an MMA boxing event in Florida. He originally denied taking the steroids, but then admitted in a 2014 interview that he did. 2010, very important week for TNA. I kind of feel bad looking back on it. You, know, this, you remember I played the clip a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week or a week before, Hulk Hogan and Dixie Carter announcing they're moving impact to Monday nights. Well, this was the week where they were going to have their first ever head-to-head night, uh, impact. I almost said Nitro. Impact versus Raw. So first, we find out that AAA uh, is going to have a talent agreement with TNA. And this would open the doors for TNA and AAA to work uh, you know, together in events. That was a pretty big deal at that time. Um, now, that agreement ended in 2014 when Jeff Jarrett left the company. But still, this week in 2010, first we have that announcement, and then we have TNA presenting Impact on Monday, head-to-head against Monday Night Raw. And to say that it didn't go well is an understatement. And, you know, you look back on it, and I use a term that Jim Ross has said so many times. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And TNA almost immediately went into paranoid mode because of the rating. With all of the hype of Impact moving to Monday nights, Raw defeated Impact that night 3.4 to a .9. And not only that, Impact actually did a worse rating than their January show that got them the time slot. That January 4th show that they originally did, they did a 1.5 rating. And here's where it gets worse. The Thursday replay of this taping did a 1.0 rating, so the replay did a better rating than Monday Night Live on Raw. Now, look, replay unopposed, all right, you understand the decent rating, even though 1.0 is nothing to write home about. you got to remember, at that time, 2.6, 2.7 million peaking, you know, watched impact. You know, now, you know, they go over 300,000 and people think that they're on a crazy momentum. So that night we had Abyss and Hulk Hogan versus AJ Styles and Ric Flair fight to a no contest. And the way everything went down, it didn't uh, 
come off well on TV, so they rebooked it for later on in the show. Doug Williams defeated Daniels and Kazarian to retain the X Division title. The Beautiful People defeated Angelina Love and Tara, along with Sarita and Taylor Wilde in a triple threat tag team match to win the vacated knockouts tag titles. Rob Van Dam that night makes his surprise TNA debut. And who does he face in his debut? Sting! Now think about that. The franchise of ECW versus the franchise of WCW. Fantasy match. Dream match. How did that match go down? You saw, you heard the involvement of TNA president Dixie Carter. She said there will be the return to the ring tonight for the Icon Sting. JB tried to find out who his opponent is going to be. And all Dixie would say is that Sting's going to find out when everybody else does. Well, I think that time is uh, just a few moments away. Sting, who's your opponent, my friend? We are fixing to find out. The icon waiting to see who it is that the TNA president has handpicked to face him tonight in his return to the ring and his return to TNA. Who's it going to be? Rob Van Dam defeated Sting in 10 seconds. After the match, Rob Van Dam was assaulted repeatedly with the plastic baseball bat. Eric Young defeated Six Pac in less than two minutes. Beer Money over Jeff Jarrett in a handicap match. And then again, you had Abyss and Hulk Hogan over AJ Styles and Ric Flair in a no-disqualification tag match. Now, they got into paranoid mode. They didn't know what to do. They made this big move. You got all these big names in there now, and they're not even doing a 1.0 rating. So when we got word of the spoilers for the following Monday's uh, impact, this is basically what they taped. Eric Bischoff vowed to shave Mick Foley's head and beard, but when he attempts to do so, Mick Foley turns the tables and shaves Eric Bischoff's head instead. Scott Hall. He gets $25,000 of Kevin Nash's money after he survives a five-minute challenge thanks to Sean Waltman handcuffing Kevin Nash to the ring ropes. RVD gets his revenge on Sting by sucker-punching him when Sting answers Hulk Hogan's challenge to come out and face him. This leads to Eric Bischoff's promo, Do as I say, not as I do. Comes out, yells at Hulk Hogan for physically getting involved in the matches. Jeff Hardy defeats AJ Styles with his swanton after a ref bump. Enforcer Abyss counts the pinfall. 
But uh, Abyss decides to chokeslam Ric Flair on a gimmick stage before threatening AJ Styles. It just came off as a massive, massive clusterfuck. And Meltzer and others have really covered this quite well over the years, especially in real time at that time. And I think it was Meltzer who said it the best. They spent millions of dollars expecting a whole lot more than what they got. If they just went into paranoid mode. They should have just just think it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we know what happened. Ultimately, they were off Monday night television. 2011, we learned from TMZ that Snooky, Jersey Shore, would be a guest host on Monday Night Raw for the March 14th edition. This would lead to her wrestling in a mixed tag match at WrestleMania 27. Also this week... In 2011, for anybody that watches daytime television, I'm sure you've heard of a show called The Price is Right. Well, if you were watching The Price is Right this week in 2011, this person came on down. Welcome back to The Price is Right. We're having a really good start to the show so far. George Gray, who's next? It is Brian Kendrick. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Oh, Brian, come on down here, buddy. Here comes Brian. Oh, she got a Seattle Sounders shirt on. Uh, next prize, please. It's a new popcorn machine. Bring some excitement to your next outdoor party with this wagon body popcorn machine. Comes with a 48-inch wagon with a red and white striped awning to bring true carnival style to your backyard. All right, thank you very much. Tiffany Beverly Ann, what do you bid? $450. Yes. All right, good for you, Annette. $700. $700, Brian. $1,300. $1,300. David. $701. $701. All right. Actual retail price. Wow, we, man. $3,018. Brian, come on up here. Show, man. I see it. Everybody was off on that one. Come over here. But you were the least off, so here you are. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, George, what do we got for him? How about a collection of theater chairs and a plasma HDTV? These mezzanine incliners are cutting edge contemporary European design. Features include motorized incline and silver cup holders, plum, Cinematech seating, and this 54-inch high-definition plasma has impressive fluid motion for cinema-quality viewing. Enjoy your personal photos on the big screen with its image viewer and gain access to full HD images. It's a prize package worth $9,389. All right, thank you very much. All right, Brian, all we have to do to win this is play some tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe, there's a hidden X, a secret X, Hidden here, here, or here. So it's at the top, the middle, the bottom. Don't know where it is. I'll give you a free X to put anywhere you want in any of the yellow spaces you want to. Up in the corner. Good. You played tic-tac-toe before. And I have two more X's ready to give you, but you have to earn them by knowing the price of those small prizes over there. Go ahead, George. Yes, the small portable charcoal grill can cook three steaks or six burgers at a time, so it's the perfect tailgating companion. And take lots of high-quality photos of all your exciting adventures with this 10-megapixel compact digital camera that has auto-zoom focus and red-eye reduction. All right. That charcoal grill, I bet you've seen a thousand times in a store. It's either $40 or $69. What do you think? Drew, I'm going to go with 40 40 bucks. 
Come on, 40 bucks, you got it. X, anywhere you want it. Any yellow spot you want, down to the corner. If it's in the middle, you're a winner. Let's go for the digital camera, $90 or 175 Drew, I'm going with $90. $90, I have an X right here if it's 90 bucks. Manuela, what do you say? There you go, anywhere you want. Uh, well, no, not any yellow spot you want. Any yellow spot you want. <laughs> I'm glad people have friends to help them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. If the X is at the top, you're a winner. If it's at the middle, you're a winner. The only way you lose is if it's at the very bottom. Good luck to you, Brian. One, two, three. <laughs> going down there. Oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. You did everything perfect. Stop your machine. Spin the wheel. You'll spin the wheel. Okay, we'll be right back, folks. I remember when that went down, we were all just baffled why TNA didn't try to get just a little publicity out of that. But it was still cool to uh, watch a game show that I grew up uh, watching and seeing Brian Kendrick pop up there. And, you know, just coincidentally, it was almost a year ago to that day, 2012, that TNA would release Brian Kendrick. Um, you know, let's stick with 2012. Uh, Jerry Lynn announces that he plans on retiring at the end of the year. Um, he technically did not retire until March of 2013, which uh, celebrated the 25th anniversary of his pro wrestling debut. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, also in 2012, Shawn Michaels uh, is on Monday Night Raw, and it's announced that he would be the referee in a match between Triple H and The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania 28. A very memorable match that we all remember to this day. And then finally, well, we're not done with, you know, this show. We're done with almost with 2012. We had uh, the final promo of John Cena and The Rock on each other to hype up their match for WrestleMania. Both promos were entertaining as fuck. As I said at the beginning of this broadcast, I just think it's pathetic, it's sad that WWE edited the entire Rock concert off of Monday Night Raw. Seriously, Again, I know I said it earlier, go on the network, go watch the final five minutes of Raw from March 12, 2012, watch The Rock enter the ring with a guitar, and I kid you not, a fifth grader, I think, could have edited this better. He sits down, he's about to start playing, and then he gets up. He takes the guitar, and he sits down, and he gets up. Everything is edited out. Everything. Now, I'm not going to play the, you know, the segment where they're, him and the crowd are doing We Will Rock You because it was okay. It was fun, but I don't think it was anything memorable. I think the meat and potatoes or what everybody enjoyed that night was, you know, the rock concert with Cleveland Rocks. But before I play that, I present to you John Cena's promo from earlier in the night calling out The Rock. You're untouchable. Word life. This is basic thugonomics. This is basic thugonomics. Word life. <laughs> I'm untouchable, but I'm forcing you to feel me. Word life. This is basic, basic thugonomics. Thugonomics. Word life. I'm 
Johnson on Twitter by following at WWE and join us in the conversation by using hashtag Raw. It is electric in here tonight. We are ready for some economics. Never survive. Get forgot like all timers. Two face rappers walk away with four shiners. The raw rhymer turning legends to old timers. My advice like a fiber biting through your wall liners. New dead man ink, and we about to make the famous. Rock wanted me to write his song tonight, but I would never be his mouthpiece. Cause Rock's like LeBron James. He took his talent straight down to South Beach. And for the past few weeks, Rock's been legitimately pissed. If you get stuck singing your song tonight, Rock, it's all in the wrist. Could we please have a week where you don't come out here and choke? You may be G.I. Joe this summer, right now you're a G.I. joke. Ever since I opened my mouth about you, you've been begging me to back off. So if Rock and Dwayne are the same person, I think y'all both are jack-offs. And after April 1st, you won't be making no more movies. You're gonna need surgery on your face just like you had it on your boobies. Those poppin' pecs, they had more work than a locker room full of divas. I got a gift for Rock tonight, I'm gonna give him a Cleveland steamer. lost it and the truth is getting scary because they weren't chanting Rocky last week they were chanting Tooth Fairy <laughs> keep making fun of this fruity pebble rock because I ain't even close to sick of it I'm Mr. Kung Pao Chicken you just Miami fried chicken And no, no, I don't have balls, but I got something in their place. I'm gonna beat your ass at WrestleMania and put my nuts dead in your face. But I thought The Rock that night easily took it. And it was cool to listen back to our episode of the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show that night. I mean, we really, I mean, you could hear it in real time. Everybody just really just mocked out for that, that segment. It's one of my favorites still to this day. And it's a shame that a lot of people that are newer wrestling fans probably don't even know that it exists that that went down. And it's only, you know, not too many years ago, so... This week in wrestling history, 2012, The Rock Concert, Cleveland Rocks.
Tonight ain't about some two-minute rap because everybody knows that Cleveland rocks. Be good. Warden threw a party and he spent some bucks. Didn't invite Cena cause he totally sucks. Cena started rapping, it all went south. Know your road jabroni and shut your mouth. Let's rock. To everybody, let's rock. Cena's got a menstrual clock, but we're dancing cause Cleveland rocks. Oh, what's going on? Here we go. Little fruity pebble from Newberry Mass. Rock will take his boot and shove it up his ass. Bet you're all happy you're listening to me. And not some goofy Eminem wannabe Let's rock Everybody, let's rock Ain't no balls down in Cena's jock But we're dancing cause Cleveland rocks See, The Rock's got the inside scoop from um, John Cena's doctor. He visited a doctor last week. Kind of goes like this. Little Johnny Cena went to the dock. Rock punched his jaw and the pain wouldn't stop. Doc said, Cena, you know I'm a fan. But please stop begging for that rectal exam. Let's rock. <laughs> Everybody, let's rock. Cena close up that smock. But we're dancing cause Cleveland rocks. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let the rock ask you. You want to hear a little gossip? Rock's got some gossip. It's a true story about Cena and Eve. This is true. This, this is what happened. This is what you didn't see on Raw. But The Rock saw it. Rock saw Cena making out with Eve. Grabbing on her thigh, tugging on her weave. Cena was having the time of his life. I guess he didn't tell her that he's got a wife. Let's rock. Everybody, let's rock. Divorce lawyers right up the block. But we're dancing cause Cleveland rocks. Yeah, I guess it slipped his mind while he was slipping of the tongue. 
I got a little ditty about the day John Cena was born. True story. These were all true stories. <laughs> April 23rd, 1977. The doctor shouted, send that baby back to heaven. Sorry, Mama Cena, but check these charts. Little baby Johnny's got lady parts. Let's rock. Everybody, let's rock. Little Johnny's got them lady parts. But we're dancing cause Cleveland rocks. Thank you. Thank you. I told you we were going to have fun tonight. <clears throat> you know, I, just, just out of curiosity, are there any grown men here tonight? I mean grown men, real men. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I know there's grown men here. Oh, no, 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 no. But are there any grown men who are John Cena fans? Oh, wait, we got one. Okay, I see one. He's clapping. Rise above the hate. I'm sure there's a couple. Oh, there's one over there. Oh, there's another, another one. Okay. Okay, I, listen. I, I'm not going to mess with you. It, it's, it's, it's hard enough being you, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to mess with you. I, actually, actually, uh, let The Rock ask the people. Should I mess with these guys? Okay. Well, this song is especially for you and you and all the grown men who are John Cena fans out there. It goes like this. <clears throat> Doesn't really matter how hard you try. Never in your life will you ever taste pie. <laughs> no, you love Chewbacca and Frodo too. But you're a walking virgin and you're 42. Let's rock. Everybody, let's rock. You dress like Kirk and Spock, but we're dancing cause Cleveland rock. That's for you. the ladies in the house tonight see see you know the rock and the ladies we got a very special connection I love women I love the ladies I love the ladies but <laughs> but um there's a very very special lady that I want to sing a very special song to and she's at home right now she's watching very 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 special very special woman and and this song uh this special song is for you, baby. The Rock will see you tonight. Rock's getting some wine and a dozen roses. She's going to meet my holy Moses. Getting with.
with the rock is the bomb you don't believe me ask Cena's mom let's rock everybody let's rock Cena's mom can barely walk but we're dancing cause Cleveland rock I said one more time Cena's mom can barely walk and we're dancing cause It's really ridiculous that that entire concert is edited off of Raw. Unbelievable. Anyway, 2013, TNA presented Lockdown from San Antonio, Texas. If you don't remember that card, if you didn't see it, just watch it for five minutes. Look at the size of the crowd that's there. Now, there's been disputes over the years. There's been some, you know, debate. Did they draw 10,000 at night? Did they draw 8,000? You know, still, even if they drew 5,000, that crowd was immense. And I don't know when you could actually consider the point where TNA actually peaked as far as viewership and fans and buying tickets and stuff. But, man, I still remember that night because I was very critical of the eight. Remember Aces and 0.8 storyline? Because just the whole thing about Bully Ray being revealed as the leader of Aces and 0.8s was just ridiculous. And if you remember the following week on Impact, which takes place next week, um, they did like seven different segments of Bully Ray trying to convince us step by step as to, you know, why it made sense that he is now the leader of Aces of 0.8s. It was horrendous. When you have to explain it that detailed, it's not, it wasn't a good idea. Um, you know, the concept of Aces and Eights was a good concept. Bully Ray being a heel and being involved in Aces Point Eights was, was fine. Aces and Eights, did I say Aces Point Eights? Aces and Eights was fine. It was just that the whole storyline of him and Brooke Hogan and the whole married thing that led up to it, it was just really, really not written well at all. Um, but it, the, this night, Bully Ray defeated Jeff Hardy in a steel cage, and it was revealed that night that he was part of Aces and Eights. So there you go. Um, and it's amazing that, you know, we're, we're only talking 2013. It's not like it was 10, 15 years ago. So uh, also this week, they had on SmackDown, you know, the hype up, um, the match at WrestleMania between Alberto Del Rio and Jack Swagger. This was, what, two weeks after that disaster of having Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger, you know, pander to Fox News and Glenn Beck and just totally kill the storyline, kill it. So this week on SmackDown in 13, you had Del Rio and uh, Ricardo Rodriguez mocking uh, Swagger and Zeb Coulter. And honestly, it, it went over like a wet fart. Something that didn't go over like a wet fart was this week in 2014. And it is such a memorable moment. And for younger wrestling fans out there, this is one of their favorites of all time. Now, I'm not going to play the whole segment because it really drags on. It's a great visual on TV. As far as audio goes, it's very hard to really capture that emotion that took place that night. But you can't deny it. It was a really awesome moment. Highlights from 2014. 
Daniel Bryan occupies Monday Night Raw. The authority wants to scare me into falling in line. They want to scare me into coming out here and apologizing for something I should have done a long time ago, which is kick Triple H in the face. But you see, Hunter, you can't have it both ways. If you want to be COO and be all corporate and come out in your suit and tie and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. But if you want to lay your hands on me, if you want to send people down here to beat me down, if you want to pedigree me, if you want to get in my face and you expect me to back down, I am not going to, I am going to fight! And if you want me to apologize for standing up for myself, I don't got two words for you. I've got one. No! And Hunter, it ends here tonight. Tonight is when it ends. Because we are all tired of you. You are not listening to me. You are not listening to these people. You are not listening to any of us. But tonight, we're going to make it so you have to listen to us. Because tonight, the YES movement is in full effect, and tonight, we are going to occupy RAW! What? You heard him. What does that mean? I mean, occupy RAW. You see, I'm not gonna leave this ring until I get what I want, which is a match with Triple H at WrestleMania. And I know, I know that you've heard people say that all the time. They're not gonna leave this ring. But tonight, I am not alone. I am going to fill this ring. I am going to fill this arena. I'm going to fill this whole place with the Yes Movement right here. And I know, I get it. It's unlawful, it's dangerous, it's subject to prosecution, all that jazz. But I talked to some members of the Yes Movement earlier today, and I'd like them to come down here right now. Members of the Yes Movement. Because you see, we are not going to whoa, take whoa, whoa, it look, anymore. Look we are one. We stand together. We are united. And we Where's are the, not going to leave the this place until the authority gives us what we want. Where's Isn't the freaking right? police? Isn't that right? Yeah. Isn't that what right? is going yeah. on?
just occupy Raw, according to Daniel Bryan. He says he's not leaving the ring until he gets what he wants, and that's a match with Triple H at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan t-shirts. This isn't occupy. This is criminal trespass. This is insane. This is awesome. What is this? Tanisha, yeah. the yeah. WWE Spring? Yeah. You gotta be kidding me! This Where's is the Memphis cops? This is revolutionary! Somebody arrest these guys! This has never happened! Somebody arrest! That truly was a pretty cool night on Monday Night Raw, without a doubt. Daniel Bryan fans love it, and I don't blame them. I'm a, fan, I'm a Daniel Bryan fan as well. You know, just because storylines in recent, you know, years between him and Shane isn't the greatest, can't take away from the, you know, just the pure raw emotion appreciation and love that people had towards daniel bryan and in 2014 it really really was spectacular 2015 bill demott resigns as head trainer at the wwe performance center if you remember there was you know some leaked information coming out about bill demott's training practices yeah, he comes from, you know, the, the being like the drill sergeant days. I mean, you look at old footage of the WCW power plant with the Sarge and everybody. They're tough. They're tough. But in this day and age, you have to be a little bit more careful. And he did a wonderful interview with Vince Russo on the brand where he really talks in detail as far as, you know, what went down. And one of the quotes that he said in an interview, he says, you, got, you become a babysitter, a big brother, a guidance counselor, authority figure, a person of confidence, trainer. The trick to this generation is how do you be, you know, friendly and not be their friend? And um, it's a really, really good interview. And to this day, I, I appreciate, you know, the, the commitment and dedication that Bill DeMott had towards trying to bring up younger talent. You know, yes, he was drill sergeant, he was brash, but, you know, to me, I come from, you know, the old school that it, it makes you tough. I mean, I don't condone physical and mental abuse, but, you know, if that's the case, you know, how come people aren't suing left and right about the way they're treated in boot camp? I mean, anybody out there ever go through boot camp? I did for the Navy. I saw a couple of people kill themselves. I, I did. I mean, I, I talked about this many times growing up Don Tony segments. You know, they're just depression and you know, it's tough. But still, he resigned in 2015. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up momentarily. 2016, Pinellas County, Florida opening testimony was given in a lawsuit between Hulk Hogan and Gawker. This lawsuit is from the 2012 Post where Gawker took uh, A.J. Delorio's published two-minute snippet of a 30-minute video of Hulk Hogan having sex with Heather Clem. We know how that lawsuit ended up. 2016, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods defeated AJ Styles and Chris Jericho to retain the WWE tag titles. Why am I mentioning this? Because that was the night after the match, Chris Jericho turned on AJ Styles, and Y2AJ was no longer. Later on this, that week on SmackDown, Chris Jericho did a segment where he burned an AJ Styles shirt. Actually, he burned the Y2AJ shirt. And finally, 2017, it was this week, WWE Fastlane, Goldberg defeated Kevin Owens to win the Universal Championship. Bailey defeated Charlotte to retain the women's title. With that win, Charlotte's 15-0 pay-per-view win streak was ended. And last but not least, 2017 on 205 Live, 
Austin Aries made his in-ring debut, defeating Tony Nese. So there you go. Notable birthdays this week. Those who are celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday, Mae Young, Orville Brown, Joseph Oldie, Tor Kamada, Beetlejuice, Dennis Carluzzo, Charlie Fulton, and Russ Haas. God rest your souls. Killer Khan and Chick Donovan turned 71. Piotrov turned 60. Nikita Koloff, 59. Sergeant Craig Pittman, 58. Rick Steiner turns 57. Happy birthday, Bruce Pritchard and Rudy Boy Gonzalez. He turned 55. Robbie Brookside turns 52. Pitbull Carrie Wolf turns 51. No, Nobutaka Araya turns 50. Val Venus and Tiger Ali Singh turn 47. Little Guido and Major Guns. Happy birthday. They turn 46. Anarchia and Johnny Fairplay turn 44. Kenny Anderson, 42. Michael Tarver, 41. Chad Dick turns 40. Nidia, David Flair, Corey Kincaid, and Molina all turn 39. Hideo Itami turns 37. Eric Stevens, 36. Chad Gable, 32. JoJo turns 24. And Tyler Bate, happy birthday. He's only 21. Those who we lost this week. Lord James Blears died at 92 years old. Tony Nero at 85. Referee Dick Worley at 81. Don Curtis at age 80. Paul Bosch, 76. Ray Stern, 74. Rudy Valentino, 73. Wild Bill Curry, 71. Ernie the Cat Lad, Jerry Valiant, and outlaw Ron Bass all died at the age of 68. Eddie Creechman passed away at 66. Bad News Brown at 63. We lost Paul Bearer this week. He died at the age of 58. Johnny Rotten and Tony Graham passed away at the age of 48. Hercules, Hercules Hernandez, died at the age of 47. Dino Bravo this week was murdered. He was only 44. And finally, this week, at the age of 39, we lost the Texas Outlaw number one. With that said, I am done with this week in wrestling history. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I mean, we've been doing this now officially for 10 weeks, but it did about three or four months as far as a trial run just to get used to doing the research. This by far is the most amount of work that I have ever had to do in every episode. The amount of information to gather and verify and check and double check and find audio clips and video clips and splice things together and find moments that people have forgotten about. And not all this footage is available online. So, but still, the feedback and the response that I'm getting from everyone out there is so overwhelming. I mean, it's just a pleasure to put this together. And the one thing that I love about this show, it never gets outdated. That's the one thing that is awesome about this. This is history. You can't change history. You could try to forget it. You could try to tweak it and, and you know, but you, at the end, you really can't change history. You might change record books and you might try to, you know, change perception, but this is history. And I love putting this together for all of you. And really, this show comes down to two perspectives. For younger fans out there, this might spark some curiosity for you to tune in and check out some things that you may not have even been born yet to see and experience for the first time. And for older fans out there, you might remember something that you have forgotten for many years or you get to relive a memory that uh, has passed us by. So really, I hope you enjoy it. Please keep sending in your feedback. Follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. 
the website, dontony.com, facebook.com slash DTKC show. If you want to email me, it is dontony at dontony.com. And if you like what we do and you want to support the show, help us keep the bills paid and the lights on, consider our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash dontony. For as little as five bucks, you get access for the full month. We have over a hundred Patreon exclusive shows there. You get advanced releases before everyone else of this show and others. We have pay-per-view predictions contests there. We have other giveaways. You know, the VIPers submit content that we use on blah, 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 and Breakfast of Blasi, DTKC show. And it really is. It's an awesome place to go. It's a very tight-knit family over there. The intimacy amongst everybody there, and I don't mean that in a sexual way, sign up for one month and believe me, I think you'll be hooked. And as I always say, if you sign up there and you really don't like it, send me an email. Don't feel embarrassed. Tell me, hey, I signed up. I really don't like it. Can you give me my five bucks back. I will do it in a heartbeat. I am very happy to announce that no one has ever yet asked for it. Not because they think anybody's afraid, but I think people truly, really love that place. I mean, the exclusive shows that are there that are not available anywhere else. I mean, just in itself. I mean, this past Wednesday, Mish and I did an episode of Breakfast Soup that went almost four hours long. And look at the comments that are posted there. People are saying that they were just left wanting more, wanting more. It's like a combination of Breakfast with Blossie and Wrestling Soup. That's really what it is. Mish and I bust butt heads on so many topics. It's amazing. But we have such a ball doing that show and there's a lot of other shows on there as well so anyway i am out of here i will be back in one week with your next edition of this week in wrestling history take care everyone ciao everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning for some a nice mcdonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it others might prefer a mcdonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel and there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.